Next on BYUSN, what does tomorrow's game against UCF mean for the men's hoop season? And how does the Knights upset of number three Kansas change our expectations? Plus, we'll chat with former BYU star Eric Mika about how the Cougars can flip the script from the first two Big 12 games. BYU gymnastics ready to go. It's the last ride for senior Anissa Alvarado. We'll talk with her about the two big meets in the next four days. And it's draft night in the National Women's Soccer League. How many Cougars will hear their names called? Hopefully a plethora, and I know what it means. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Friday, January 12th. I'm Jeremy Jordan. He's ready to bundle up for the NFL playoff. David we, we worked hard to get here. Friday. We were here all week. This show's all week long. Did you know that? It's Monday through Friday. I did. I just Ten found years that ago, out this Dave. week. Spencer's <laughs> in the Himalayas, and, and, here, and here we are. And it starts early every morning. It's yeah. fantastic. We believe what that Spencer's idea. in the Dominican Republic, which is a nice January trip, let's be honest. You know what's not going to be so nice? Kansas City oh, yeah. tomorrow. Potential with the wind chill, negative 30 yeah. for Andy Reid and the Chiefs against the Dolphins. I'm I might turn up. the heat off in the house just to create just to the simulator bundle. Because we got our own winter stuff going on here in Utah. It ain't negative 30, snow, though. But the, it's not negative 30. Geez. It reminds me of the BYU San Diego State game during the COVID season mm -hmm. uh, on December 12th at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Never happened before. It will never happen again. And it wasn't 30 below, but it was freezing. It cold. was maybe the coldest game. Of, of our life. Perhaps. I, I think it was like, I was in the press box. I think it was like 20 degrees or something. It was like 85 in the press box. Yeah, it? it was kind of hot. I was like, hey, can you turn it down? <laughs> um, Jake Oldroyd blasted like a 51-yard yeah. field goal right before yeah. the half. That ball had to be a rock. Like, to me, that's the greatest field goal he's ever made in his life. That includes 2016 Arizona. Well, that one was probably better. But that was a cold one. Luckily, uh, things are going to heat think, up on the show today. Do you think the Chiefs are glad to have the Dolphins at home in that cold or is professional athletes are really good that rather play in South Beach when it's uh, 75 degrees against the I Dolphins? think they'd rather play a road game just for the weather. I, I know too. you want I the home fans, but like, oh. Hey, home Chief, fans that are frozen. Chiefs can only Kingdom be so will be there. Shep will be rooting them on oh, uh, as the Chiefs fan. It'll be awesome. NFL playoffs, man. I love it. Okay, all rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. Robinson three. Got it! There's the Atiki alley -oop. It's another Ali Khalifa special. A ninth three-pointer for Trevin Nell. BYU at UCF tomorrow afternoon, 12 and 3, 0 and 2. Cougars facing off with the Knights. They used to go by Golden Knights. I think it's just Knights now. Yeah. Uh, on Big 12 now on ESPN Plus, BYU Radio, pregame on the radio at 3 Eastern time. Dave, this feels important given 0 and 2, right? You need to win the game. But what does this game mean for the season? We're going to ask Eric Mika this question in just a few minutes, so hang with us. Uh, but let's set, the, let's set the tone for it. It's January 12th. There are so many more games ahead. But this one feels like it is so big for the psyche. Uh, get one on the road after surrendering one at home to Cincinnati. Finishing a second half, which they did throughout the entire, uh, even the game they lost against Utah, the second half wasn't the problem. They played great in the second half. Uh, but now all of a sudden the second half's a problem in these two league games. It just feels like this is fix it Saturday mm. um, in a very tough environment, tougher than we expected because when we saw the preseason poll and it had UCF at 14 and BYU at 13, it's like, okay, there's two wins. Hopefully. In Orlando and in Provo at the time. <laughs> uh, now we don't think that way. Yeah. Uh, both because of what BYU's struggling with and for what we've seen from UCF this week. Um, is it a must win? No, it's not a must win on paper, 
but in the emotions, in the heart, in the mind, it feels like a must win. Yeah. Uh, th my I, my uh, favorite joke with must win is, uh, no, World War One and Two were must right. wins, okay? Um, but, but if you don't win this game, there's some real panic that kind of starts to set in, right? Because you look at the rest of the schedule. I, I believe that BYU would need a minimum of seven wins to feel like it's in the hunt on Selection Sunday. That would get you to 19 going into Kansas City. Perhaps you get one there. If you don't, you're sitting at 19 wins with a probably top 40 net, and you got a shot. But where are the seven wins going to come in the next 15 games? you got to go seven and eight, Dave, um, in the next 15. Now, it's nice to have two of those road out of the way. You're going to play more, you know, one more home than, than road of those left, eight home, seven road. Where are you getting seven wins? You gotta have at UCF tomorrow as one of them, and then Iowa State's coming in a week, uh, you know, on Tuesday, a week after beating Houston, who was number two in the last undefeated in the land at Texas Tech. They are two and zero in the league, one of three teams with that. Houston coming in after that, Texas coming in at West Virginia. By net ranking, that's your easiest game in the league, but it's at West Virginia. That isn't an easy game. No. Truly, there's not a week off. Like, I thought that maybe preseason UCF might be the game or games that you're like, okay, whew, take a breath, win those, you're moving on. No, no. They, you've got to win this one. You've got to win this one so that you can afford 6-9 and nine in the final 15. And can BYU scratch out seven wins in league? Absolutely. But they've got to show up in the second half, like you mentioned. BYU right now is negative 33 in margin in the second half. Whatever you've been doing in the first half, defensively, guarding your guard a little better, getting at the rim, making a couple of threes, saw improvement from the three-point line. My real question mark uh, and uh, sense of urgency with BYU right now is you've got to be able to guard one-on-one -on -one better. BYU's just getting on their heels and on skates a little bit defensively. The ball's flying around. Teams are doing to BYU what they have been doing to them, which is creating two-on-ones, three-on-twos, finding the open man, getting to the rim or an open three. BYU's got to make it harder on defense. Now, BYU's still one of the best defensive teams in the country on paper, but in Big 12 play, it's certainly been tougher. We knew that this would happen. But tomorrow, BYU's, BYU's got to win the game. They've got to figure out how to win that game. I wrote an article yesterday in the Deseret News, and the theme was riding the storm out, the old REO Speedwagon classic from If you can throw a, a rock reference in, riding the you storm. will, and it's good. Absolutely. <laughs> and it, and it's, it, you, you saw the schedule. It's, it's riding it out and finding a couple along the way, yeah. but the storm just isn't going to end until March. Right? There's no parting of the, no. hey, the sun's come out and, nope. and everything's good. No and Portland so, sitting there. So then we sit there and we think about riding the storm out, and we go, well, okay, UCF beat Kansas the other night. How does that impact your expectations for tomorrow night? It changed them quite a bit, Dave. Um, there's two thoughts here. My first thought was, like everybody else, is, oh, my gosh, UCF's way better than we thought. <laughs> like, Bigger, what? more physical. Yes, and you actually watch them play, and you're like, no, they, they have guys. They started Diallo uh, for the first time. He's a seven-footer. And not only seven, he gave Hunter Dickinson seven a little bit wide of as well. The guy's a, <laughs> the guy's a beast. That's, uh, that's pretty wide. He's just a square <laughs> block of, of 49 square feet, apparently. Yeah, um, Darius Johnson's a tough guard at the point. Jalen Sellers had a tremendous game, 18 points, four threes. They are tough. They are deep, too. They're Sellers for three against Kansas. The other thing is this. Um, uh, and uh, is that BYU could benefit from coming down from the high of that win. There's no way they can match that intensity and that kind of crowd. Yet, 
The thing is, BYU's got a little number next to their name. Yeah. 18, or what, what is it right now? 18? 18. Is, so UCF looks at that, and their fans go, oh, another big game. Another big game. BYU's got to show up in this one, of course. And so you're, you're taking on a UCF team that's excited to be in the Big 12, like BYU is in Cincinnati and Houston. But coming off, it's the best win in program history. It's the highest-ranked team they've ever beaten. They've only beaten one other top-five team ever. Um, and so, yeah, will the UCF team that lost by 25 to Kansas State last Saturday show up? We're and hoping that, that version shows up. show up. Yeah, what I saw in watching that game against Kansas, uh, I saw a team that attacks the rim. I saw guards that are ready to get physical, don't mind contact, and a team that could hit free throws. Uh, and I thought, well, what's, what's Bill, BYU's Achilles heel right now are guards that do that. Cincinnati did that. Baylor did that in the second half. After BYU was up seven against the Bearcats and they were up, uh, up as many as nine early in the second half um, at Baylor, and then and then things shifted and they yeah. just went to the attack. So and then I saw the crowd and they were raucous and having the time of their life. And I'm going to attribute a lot of that to Kansas. If they come back that way uh, tomorrow, BYU is going into a hornet's nest uh, against a team that's seen the scout that says attack the rim, they'll foul you. Um, and get out and guard the three, and if you can take Jackson Robinson out, it frustrates the whole wheel. And so, yeah, it changed my expectation. Whereas, say, uh, on Tuesday, um, after, yeah, well, even, yeah, after the Baylor game, you're like, hey, they played good in the first half, they're going to UCF, okay, they can get it right. We were more encouraged. Yeah. yeah. And, then, and then I watched them play, and I'm like, <laughs> it's like oh, well, maybe not, good. maybe not, but... You, when you go in with shooters, you got a chance. You know? you, BYU always has a chance. A yes. puncher's chance in boxing. You always got a chance. Yes, you do. You covered a ton of those fights. What was the best fight you covered in Vegas? Uh, Evander Holyfield, the first one when he knocked Mike Tyson out on his feet, and then, of course, the second one when Tyson bit off his ear. Yeah, that, 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 very one, was, significant that one was crazy. Hopefully we don't <laughs> see it. But it's the same that. concept. <laughs> you stay in the fight late and you can throw a punch, you can win. You Dan Campbell said they'd out. bite kneecaps uh, off, you know, the ears. <laughs> yeah. Whatever, Whatever hey, hey, in the Big 12, you just got to win. So if BYU wins this game, where would this rank among the best wins this season? Emotionally, maybe number one. Mm. Physically, it's still San Diego State. Yeah. They came into the arena. Uh, they were ranked 17th, and BYU played a good first half, a good second half against a team that's back in the top 25 that was in the national championship game last April. So that one, even though it was so early, that put BYU on the map. That got the kickstart to a four net that they've been able to maintain yeah. uh, even with back-to-back -back losses. But emotionally, at this stage in the moment they're in, um, it feels like that would be the most significant because it can calm them down and they can come home and yes. play Iowa State. We can do this. Beat Houston the other day. And so you never know. What the, just don't deal with Tuesday. Just deal with Saturday. But you can calm down and go, okay, all right, we can outscore some of these guys. We got our first win. Women's basketball needs this tomorrow against Cincinnati as well. Yeah. They need to feel that first Big 12 win and be like, Whew, okay, we can calm down. San Diego State, I agree with you wholeheartedly. San Diego State right now is 19 in net. That's a tremendous win. That's a great uh, win on the resume, right? BYU have a ton of quad one, quad two opportunities. But yes, given the circumstances of two straight losses, it's a road win. You need a couple of those, Dave, um, to make the NCAA tournament. You can't just you know, win every home game, lose every road game, and then it's like, well, you're going to be on the road after March 9th for every game in Kansas City and then in the NCAA tournament, hopefully, right? And uh, yeah, given the current circumstance, avoiding an 0-3 start, is a big deal. It's almost, 
it's almost bigger to avoid that than gain the win, if you will. Like, just to calm the nerves, like you said, come back home, play Iowa State. Because guess what? If you get on a little bit of a roll, you create a little win streak here, you're back to 2-2. Two and two. Okay, okay. Settled things down a little bit. But you've, you've got to show up and do it. BYU just has to, they have to play their brand of basketball. And I know people say that, but teams have been taking BYU out of what they've been doing by pressuring them defensively. See UNLV in the old Mountain West days. Yep. They're not going to call every foul. So they're going to be extra physical. How did BYU overcome that? They got to the rim and they made threes. It helped to have the National Player of the Year and Jimmer Fredette. But this team has so many weapons uh, that they are capable of, of the group getting that done. Maybe it hurts you in a situation like this where you're like, who's going to be the guy that's going to carry BYU? But I have confidence in the group that someone and somehow they will figure it out tomorrow against CCF. When BYU's playing fast, they're at their best. When they're playing in a hurry, they're at their worst. You know, when we're in a hurry, that's when we forget everything. Or we, we're driving too fast, we run into somebody's fender because we're following too close. Because we just got to get there because yeah. we're late. Better to be early than late. Um, and, and if BYU, they play fast, they, they're, they're at their best again. And if, if they're playing in a hurry, then, you know, 32 turnovers in the last two games. Those two teams got yep. BYU in a hurry in the second mm -hmm. half, and, and they lost their minds. I think it's also important to win Saturday because you can stay in the AP Top 25. And the poll, that poll doesn't do anything for the net, but that poll keeps you relevant in college basketball because it's on the ticker 24-7. What you're doing, you're, you're, you're on the ESPN ticker because number whatever is playing, number is playing Iowa State on Tuesday. And in this battle of, of know me, know that I exist, and we had a great preseason and we're, we're legit, uh, I need to be in the top 25 because that just reaffirms it. You suddenly aren't legit, right? If you start 0-3 despite 12-1, you people don't think BYU would be legit. So you've, you're pressing for respect and relevance, as you mentioned as well. Yeah, got to win to have a chance to stay in the top 25. I think there's a chance that maybe BYU drops out with even with the win. We'll Possibly, see. But a lot of teams have been losing. We'll see, but maybe you hang on at 23, 24, 25. Our question of the day is this. What does Saturday's game against UCF mean for the BYU season? It's a big one. Brian Buss on X. I think it's win or bust. Can't start Big 12 play 0-3 and, and expect to make the NCAA tournament. The point there is that you have 15 games left. you got to scratch out seven right. of the next uh, 15. Let's go. You're not going to get seven-plus conference wins, and you have Iowa State, who beat number two Houston, number two Houston, number 25 Texas, number nine Oklahoma, as four of the next six. Ryan's thought this after out. After UCF. Thought this need out. UCF win in Iowa State at home, plus steal either Houston or Texas. Texas, easier than Houston for sure. Yeah, that's a well-cogitated uh, tweet. Continue to weigh in on X, Facebook, and Instagram, which brings us to the Big 12 Roundup. We take a look at the standings. There are three teams that are 2-0. There are three teams that are 0-2. Baylor, Texas Tech, Kansas State, 2-0. Brigham, Oklahoma State, West Virginia are the 0-2 teams. And Oklahoma, Kansas kicks us off. Hey, and by the way, this isn't a woe is me conversation. No. This is fantastic, and it's fantastically difficult. <laughs> Let's get uh, after it. So. Let's get a win. Some super matchups. Ninth ranked Oklahoma at number three, Kansas. Mm. Both teams are coming off losses. Kansas is a four point favorite. That's a toss up game. And Kansas is one of the best teams in the country. Yeah. But they haven't been playing that way. They should be 0 2 in the league. It's tough to win in Fog Allen Fieldhouse. Kansas State at Texas Tech. These are two unbeaten teams in the league. Texas Tech, seven point favorite according to Ken Palm. We'll see how that one turns out. Houston coming off a loss at TCU. TCU's been one of the better teams in the conference, even with that loss 
at Kansas, which was questionable at best. Yep. But now TCU's got the Cougars at home. It's an in-state rivalry. Houston's a touchdown favorite. But that game is going to be very, very interesting. Number 25, Texas at West Virginia. Texas escaped with the win at Cincinnati earlier in the week. West Virginia, one of the three winless teams in the league. Texas, a seven-point favorite. Listen, if West Virginia wins that game, we throw our hands up. <laughs> like, that would be like, oh, my gosh, anything is possible. <laughs> Oklahoma State's at Iowa State. We'll keep an eye on the Cyclones because they are here on Tuesday, and they beat Houston uh, for the, the Cougars' first loss of the season. They're a 13-point favorite. Oklahoma State seems pretty vulnerable, if there's a vulnerable. Yeah, Oklahoma State has struggled. West Virginia has struggled. Um, we were thinking UCF was one of the struggling. We were. No, BYU is one of those right now. they got to jump out of that. Last but not least, Cincinnati at number 14, Baylor. Matchup of two teams that have beaten BYU. Uh, Baylor an eight-point favorite, according to Ken Palm. That is the Big 12 roundup. Oh! We stung it with the music. All that? classic battles. Nice. It's like we played All day that. long. We did that. Hey, BYU men's basketball has been the theme of the day. They're in Orlando. They're in Orlando right now. Hey, that's nice. There's no snow over there, but they got a storm tomorrow afternoon, 3 nice. o'clock Eastern time. And uh, BYU, you see a pregame coverage starts at, at mention 3 Eastern on BYU Radio. I call Spencer Anchor Boy when he does stuff like that. You're Anchor Man because he's literally I'm a little older. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> no ageism here. After the break, Eric Mika tells us how BYU can flip the script from the last two games. Big one with UCF tomorrow. This is BYU Sports Night. Eric Mika. Lob for Mika. Rejected and met by Mika. Hey, BYU needs some of that Eric Mika energy against UCF tomorrow. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. Jeremy Jordan alongside Dave McCann. We can call him BYU TV analyst. We can call him G League Ignites Eric Mika. You, you can call uh, St. Mary's fans, call them other things. We welcome Eric back to the program. It's just been like a week or two, but Eric, welcome back to the show, man. Thanks. I, uh, I didn't expect to call this quickly. I'm, I'm, I'm grateful to be back. I wasn't sure. Uh, I was up to Jerem Jordan's standard, but apparently it was Spencer it who requested bad. it. But yeah, it's all good, man. Uh, <laughs> first off, how close are you to returning for the G League Ignite? And then we'll dive into BYU UCF, man. Yeah, I'm just a couple of weeks away. Um, I've been on these uh, fun little treadmills that I think I think you and I have talked about before, where yeah. you're not running on 100% of your body weight. Um, but you're running close to it. So I'm at about 85% on that, um, which I think puts me about a week, week and a half away from actually running and, and getting into practice. And then, you know, it, it, it's just a, a game of response. You know, how does my knee respond to, to cutting and, and actual, you know, physicality in the game? Um, but I think end of the month, early, early February, I should be playing in actual games. That's great. That's great. Hey, we're just 12 days into January, but this BYU-UCF game tomorrow feels a little bit bigger. What does this game mean to BYU? I mean, I, I think it means a lot. You know, those first two kind of slipping away from us, um, very, very tough losses, but also kind of setting in the reality of this league, which is that it's going to be tough every single night. You're going against, you know, Baylor was was a national champion too, not too long ago. Cincinnati has been a good basketball school for years now. Like even though they were, you know, to me, to me, you just learn that the the predictions don't matter. You know, anybody can beat anybody on any given night because this league is so uh, well rounded, top from bottom. You have, top to bottom, you have very very good teams. You have very well coached teams. 
Um, so it, it, it means a lot. We need to get this one. Um, it'll be good to get our first one. And, and I think after you get your first one out of the way, the next ones will be a little bit easier. Wednesday, Kansas, number three in the country, goes into UCF and loses. One, two, three, five, nine, eleven of all losses week. It's been a while in college basketball. Does that change your expectations for this game, given that UCF was picked to finish last in the league? BYU was 13th, by the way, second to last. But now UCF has this amazing win. Could they come down from that against BYU, or will they maybe stay up from that? It's a little dangerous, it feels like. It, it is a little dangerous, and like I just said, it just speaks to how good the league is. You know, like, I, and, and again, it, it speaks to how kind of trivial those predictions are because I, I don't care where <laughs> UCF is, is predicted. They can beat, you know, number three Kansas, um, you know, in quite a statement game. So I don't know if it necessarily changes my prediction of the game. It, it just solidifies in my mind how every game is going to be hard. You know, it, there's not going to be a single gimme in this schedule. And, and UCF proved that to the world. And, and now we need to, you know, we need to get on the board with our first win. And I, I still like our chances. Eric, during these two conference losses, BYU's looked good in the first half. And in the second half, they've had lapses while the opponent has had surges that have ended up being the difference in these games. How do you flip the script if you're the head coach? Yeah, you know, uh, it's it's hard. I don't know if I could put my finger without really breaking down the film and, and, and the stats behind it and saying, hey, it's this one, two, or three things. Um, but in general, I say you flip the script with coaching and with leadership. You know, it, it's it's the standard that is set by the guys that are that are leading in that locker room. Obviously, the coaching staff is doing that. And then, you know, there's a couple guys who I'm sure – have the voice in that locker room and it's going to come from them because you don't see that it's it's a problem of of ability and capability we're doing it in the first half we we have the tools we have the pieces to the puzzle we just have to find consistency and like i said i think consistency um comes down to leadership so i'm not super worried about it i think we're going to make the right adjustments i think we're going to come out and and get a complete game here soon because i trust in the coaching staff and i trust in the leaders in that locker room one thing that sticks out a little bit to me is BYU did not guard its yard, as it says, uh, in terms of guarding its man, but also helping. The Big 12 has more length and athleticism. We knew that this would happen, right? But BYU plays good team defense. They're still one of the top five in points allowed per possession. So how does BYU defend one-on-one -on -one a little better, and then when it does break down, maybe help as a team better because they were fouling a lot. People didn't like a lot of the officiating, but BYU was reaching a little bit to where – Every team that BYU plays can't just break the Cougars down when they're on offense. Yeah, I mean, guard your yard. I love that term. That's a term that we use here at Ignite as well. And I feel like I've, I've heard this speech a lot. You know, it, it, it's just something that's hard to do as a young player is stop your guy one-on-one, -on -one, you know. But, but to be able to get on the court, that's fundamental, right? So like I said, I, I trust that the leaders in the locker room are going to inspire everybody on the team and really get them to realize, like, this is, this is the difference. We have everything else. You know, as long as we can stop our guys one-on-one, -on -one, um, then, then we're going to win a whole lot of games, you know, more games than anyone expected in this conference. So I think it just comes down to willpower. You know, one-on-one -on -one isn't, you know, any type of skill or technique. They've done all that stuff in the summer, in, in, the, in the months leading up to the, 
into the season, the years that they have under their belt as as high level basketball players. They have the ability. They 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 just need to have kind of the will to go put it out there for 40 minutes, which is hard to do. But um, if they can do it, they're gonna win. They're gonna win this game. They're gonna want win a lot of games in this conference. Like I said. Gonzaga is an interesting case study for BYU. For 12 years, they were the team that uh, got your full focus. Uh, you, you looked forward to playing them. They were, the, they were the measuring stick of where you were as a program. Uh, and you had a great night, beat them in 2017 with your 29 points and 17 rebounds. Uh, now BYU's a got it. That was a good night for you. <laughs> Still is. Uh, BYU's got a Gonzaga almost every night now. So how hard mm-hmm. is it for these guys to match that level of intensity every night instead of twice a season, which is as often as you played Gonzaga until you got to the conference tournament. Now it's every night. How hard is it to bring your best effort every night? I, you know, I, I would also say it's easier in some ways. Um, and I'll start with that. It's easier because, like you said, we had our full focus on Gonzaga. There was no going into that game thinking, hey, we're going to walk all over these guys. We're going to get everything that we want. Um, you know, we don't have to guard our yard. We just have to do this, this, and this. And it's, you know, it's going to be light, easy game. Like, obviously that was never our approach. And, and when that's, you know, when your approach is as dialed in and is as serious and you do have this mentality of, if I don't bring my A game, I'm going to get embarrassed. Like that, that, that really is, uh, I think at the basis of, of games like that, like these guys are well coached. They're, they're a well-oiled machine. Um, at that time, they certainly were, you know, they were undefeated number one in the country. You know, if you don't bring your A game, you're going to get embarrassed. So I, I think it's easier in a, from a standpoint of being locked in from, from having no lack of focus, concentration, and understanding kind of the weight of the game. Um, but on the flip side, it is hard to then do that every night, not because it's physically, not just physically exhausting, playing against such talent with um, such size and, and length and physicality, um, but also emotionally, mentally, you know, it's draining. Being that locked in, that engaged, um, you know, constantly thinking and, and, and making the right plays is, is not easy to do um, mentally as well. So it's going to be draining. Uh, I, I think it's almost like, you know, an NBA in the NBA, they talk a lot about the importance of recovery and bouncing back. Cause there's so many back to back games and the schedule is so crazy and they're getting a little bit of a taste of what that is, you know, what it is to be a pro and that's taking care of your body. That's making sure you're getting the right rest mentally and physically. Um, to make sure that you're ready for the next game. Yes, they have three, four days in between each game. But because, like you said, each game is like a conference championship, it's going to feel like the playoffs, I think, you know, the rest of the way. Certain amount of urgency there, absolutely, even though it's game three. Because if you drop this one tomorrow against UCF, woo, you got to go six and nine in the last 15, right? Because um, you right. probably were seven and eight. You probably need to get to seven yeah. wins to make the tourney. That kind of feels like a minimum threshold. But I want to talk about the front court with you. Foose has played the last couple of games. He's getting back into the flow of things. Tiki Ali Atiki is doing his thing. Uh, Ali Khalifa has, uh, you know, still has a 6.8 assist to turnover ratio. It's not 14, crazy. but it's still crazy. crazy. How would you assess kind of what the front court is now and what it's becoming with Foose returning to the lineup? Yeah, I mean, I love having Foose back. Obviously, he, you know, he's a beast. He's very good at what he does. I love what he brings as far as physicality and touch um, and, and just that interesting combination of 
size and speed and strength. Um, you know, so it's been, it, it's been great to have him back. We talked a lot about this when I was uh, commentating on, on the game against um, Bellarmine, you know, the fact that he was out, I think was a blessing in disguise. You know, obviously you want to get him back healthy as soon as possible. He's a, he's a core part of the team, but the development of Atiki and, and Ali, I think has been huge. And we've been able to see that just being able to give these teams different looks from the front court, I think is important. Um, like I, like I mentioned earlier, talking with Dave about the kind of the mental exhaustion that comes from a, from a schedule like this with as many heavy hitters in this league as there are, you know, we need to make sure that we're playing to our strengths and that we're a heavy hitter, that we're mentally and physically exhausting other teams. And you do that by throwing different looks at them, by by coming at them in different ways, as I've heard Coach Pope talk about a lot. And and you can do that when you have three centers that you trust to, to go out there and do what they're supposed to do, which is very different different between the three of them. There, uh, There is an Orlando Magic G League team, I believe, in Florida. Do you have any recommendations for BYU to where they should eat or anything? Oh man, we uh that that's a better question for Mr. TJ Hawes. He played for that team. <laughs> yes, he did. Um but last year, you know, last year I actually played on Ignite with Aubrey Dawkins, who is uh Coach Dawkins' son. Oh, very nice. He played he played there I wanna say he finished college the same year um that I did. So maybe I'll maybe I'll text him and, and uh, relay the message, although I don't know if I trust him in this certain situation. <laughs> yeah, he might get a little, yeah, a, right. little uh, a Jordan Jordan flu game type uh, accusations <laughs> afterwards. So we're just gonna let yeah. it lie and uh, we'll let the operations guy I, we'll let Nate Austin figure that out. Nate hey, Nate Nate knows Lone Peak, uh, the homie there. So yeah. Uh, we Eric, we appreciate the time. Best of luck in uh, your recovery to get back and we can't wait to see you Thank playing you. Good to see you guys. Thanks, Eric. Eric Mika. Oh, good insight from him. Just over the course of that interview, tomorrow's game got, got bigger. It feels, it feels like more it, important it feels like it's more... after that conversation. Yeah. How about Eric? Eric is a current player providing analysis for us. Yeah. He's not, like, just chilling at home in between and he working. And moonlights as an analyst for us. Yeah. That's great. It's, it's awesome, great to have man. him here. BYU women's basketball. They're back at the Marriott Center tomorrow against Cincinnati. Coverage starts at 6 Eastern with Spencer and Kristen on ESPN+. Plus. Jason Shepard has the call on BYU Radio. Up next, it's draft night in the NWSL. How many Cougars will get their name called from BYU? And which Cougars are in action in the NFL playoffs? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow BYU Sports Nation on social media for content throughout the day on Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. They invent me more. We'll be there, too. We, we, hey, we had threads for a minute, and then we, we don't care. Uh, welcome back to Studio B. I'm Jeremy. He's Dave. It's time for today's headline. 18th-ranked BYU men's basketball playing at UCF tomorrow. Come on, baby! BYU looking for that first Big 12 victory. UCF coming off their big win over Kansas. Pre-game coverage. 3 o'clock Eastern. It's an earlier game on Saturday, 3 o'clock Eastern on BYU Radio. Hey, mix it in with all the NFL playoff coverage. Oh, yeah. Women's basketball, which hosts Cincinnati tomorrow as well. Amber Whiting's squad looking for the first win in conference play. BYU 0-4, Cincinnati 1-3. Coverage begins at 6 Eastern on Big 12 now on ESPN Plus and BYU Radio. Cougars in the NFL playoffs. Four 
of the six games will have Cougars in them. Pukunuku and the Rams play at the Lions. That's good news. That's indoors. Andy Reid's Chiefs host Chris Brooks and the Dolphins. That's not great news. They're playing outside. Up to negative 30 wind chill in that game. Sione Takitaki wow. and the Browns. They play inside against the Texans. And Zane Anderson and the Packers play the Cowboys. Other Cougars in the NFL news. The All-Pro teams released a short time ago. Fred Warner, first team selection at linebacker. Puka Nakua, second team selection at wide receiver. Just think about that for a moment. That is significant beyond significance. Warner, one of three. Nakua, one of seven. How about that? Thanks. That is a big deal. Like, other than winning the MVP of the league, that's the best individual honor you can get. It's all pro. Better than pro bowl, which is all-star. That is fantastic. Puka, a little bit of a surprise there to sneak into the second team, which is fantastic. He did not sneak, by the way. He actually did it. It's amazing. Congrats to those guys. Number nine men's volleyball beat number 10 Loyola Chicago in five sets last night to improve to 3-0 on the season. Luke Benson, career-high 21 kills, six digs, four blocks, tied a career-high four aces. Big win for the Cougs. BYU returns to action tomorrow night at Lewis. What a comeback last night. Heather Olmstead, BYU women's volleyball, announcing the addition of four newcomers to the roster. Transfer libero defensive specialist Kaiva Johnson comes to BYU after a season at Utah. Outside hitter Blakely Bobick. Setter Alex Bauer. Yes, that's the fourth Bauer sister. Yep. And middle blocker Abby Hoiberg, all part of BYU's 2024 recruiting class. Is that a good group? That's a good, tremendous group. Blakely Bobick is Danny Bobick, former BYU men's basketball player and Oklahoma State's daughter. Uh, Alex, of course, going to compete for the starting setter spot. You can always use the talent that BYU brings in. That's a nice group, and there will be others in the fall. That's just who enrolled for the winter. Eight former women's soccer players have declared for the NWSL draft, which takes place today. Brecken Mozingo, Bella Foligno, Jamie Shepard, Olivia Wade-Catoa, Rachel McCarthy, Olivia Smith-Griffiths, Leveni Vaca, and Ellie Boren. Good luck to them tonight in the draft, which you can watch on Ion Television, which I watch Criminal Minds on sometimes. Your eyes on Ion. <laughs> well, I used to watch Criminal Minds. Number 19, BYU <laughs> Gymnastics. They're competing in the Sprouts Farmer Market Collegiate Quad. Tomorrow night at the Maverick Center in West Valley, Utah, BYU competing in the third session against NC State, Michigan State, and Cal. That'll be on ACC Network. First time ACC Network's come to Utah and done a broadcast, I assume. We're a Men welcoming state. Yes, we are. Men and Women's Track and Field held day one of the Cougar Invitational yesterday on the Smith Fieldhouse. A few notable performances include Joe Lighthall winning the 600-yard run. By the way, he told me he got an iron recently after our interview on the show where he had a wrinkly shirt. Uh, he yelled it at me through a window uh, near the Tanner building. Uh, Gretchen uh, Hoekstree's 16, 69 meter throw in the shot put, which is good for number four in the NCAA so far in indoor season. Day two and three continue today and tomorrow. Men's tennis lost their season opener at San Diego State, four to three. They're back in action tomorrow at UC Davis. And men and women's swim and dive, both in action this weekend. The swimmers will compete at Denver, while the divers will be at UCLA. What's going on with UCLA? Basketball? They might be able to try out for the basketball. Too bad they're not playing against the basketball. <laughs> Utah taking the them last night. Those are today's headlines. Now let's whip it. Google Whip Around is presented by Marist, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Let's play to your strength. How many Cougars do you expect to be drafted in an NWSL draft tonight? There are four rounds, 56 picks. The Utah Royals, by the way, who have been gathering the former Cougs up. They have basically everybody but Ashley Hatch. Uh, they have nine picks. I expect at least three Cougars to be taken. Mozingo, Felino, and Wade Katoa feel like they're going to be picked. Perhaps Shepard and uh, Smith Griffiths. Leveni Vaca feels like she's going to be a pick as well. 
hey, there could be four or five Ellie board. They're all in the mix. Like, I, it, it's at least three. I could see four, five, six taken tonight. Listen, you keep, you keep going to the College Cup, you're going to keep sending players to the yes. pros. That's and they're good individual players who can play at the next level yeah. as well. Gonzaga was upset by Santa Clara for the first time in 13 years last night. Would BYU have won the WCC this year? No. BYU had a history still? in the WCC of playing down to the level of the competition. Right now they're trying to play up to the level of the competition in the Big 12. So I don't like to think back. That was a good run. It's over. I don't like to throw BYU teams back in there. How would they have done? We'll see what Gonzaga is at the end of the season. They're going to be out of the top 25 on Monday for the first time ever. We never saw that as a member of the league. But the focus is just on where they're at. Let's try to figure that one out. We good now? <laughs> okay, what's the best part of uh, BYU men's volleyball 3-0 yeah. start? I would say Luke Benson's uh, start. 17 kills against Ball State, 21 last night. He's becoming a super-duper star. Like, it is, it is uh, awesome. Big challenge at Lewis. If they can win that, uh, then, then they're in business uh, as they continue they to play. They got Princeton them. coming to town. That's the next series of home games. Yeah, right? UCSB in there as well. So, yeah, yeah it's going uh, to be tough. BYU played four matches in a week. That'll be a, a wild one. UC Irvine coming into town in a few weeks as well. That's good. Okay, uh, who will look better tomorrow, BYU women's basketball against Cincinnati or Spencer on his return from the Dominican Republic? Well, I don't know what the weather's been like down there. Uh, if it's sunny, he's coming back with a sunburn, not a tan. Not a tan? No, so uh, <laughs> this is such an important game for the women's basketball team. Yep. Cincinnati comes in, they're 1-3, BYU's 0-4. I'm going to say BYU because they've got to. That's what they've we need. got to look better tomorrow. Spencer always looks good. Not super overly concerned about that. Uh, women's basketball has looked good many times this year in Big 12 play. Still trying to find that first dub. It's happening tomorrow against the Bearcats. Let's go. Which Cougars in the NFL playoffs will you be watching the closest this weekend? The Matthew Stafford game. Uh, yeah. Puka Nakua and the Rams at Detroit. Detroit feeling good about the great regular season, right? Um, you know, I believe they're the two seed. Rams coming in as a sneaky team that has some real weapons, so good luck to Puka in the game. Rams are the dark horse in the NFC, I think. Um, I'm, I'm curious to see if Puka can just keep it going. With Cooper Cup out there still getting all the attention, it's great for Puka. Puka's getting a lot of attention now, too. Getting a lot of football. One-two combo. Big Stories are back on the Big Stories podcast, where this week it focuses on former UCF softball player Cassidy Brewer. Cassidy talks about her mom's passing and how her mother was ultimately the one who led her to UCF. And by the way, BYU softball plays at UCF in early April. Coming up, the Beam Specialist of the Week in the Big 12, Anissa Alvarado, tells us about a massive meet in West Valley tomorrow, Monday. Big one next week at Iowa State as well. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation on this Friday morning. Jerem Jordan, Dave McCann with you. Gymnastics in the Big 12 now, like a bunch of the other teams, of course, and it is tough sledding in that league. And luckily, BYU gets just a slow start to the season, just three meets in the next eight days, including tomorrow in West Valley at a big-time competition. To discuss that and more, we welcome in super senior Anissa Alvarado to the program. Anissa, welcome back to the show. Do you feel like uh, a super senior now? You've been here for a minute. Hi. <laughs> yeah, I definitely do feel like a super senior. I've been here for a while, so 
you've been through some of the fights, and now you have uh, you know uh, some really big meets coming up, which we'll talk about in a second. But congratulations on being the Big 12 uh, Specialist of the Week on the on the uh, bars, uh, 995, a new career high. What was that like in Vegas? Thank you. Um, honestly, it was so awesome to finally get a 995. I feel like it's been a score that I've been chasing for so long now. Um, but yeah, I I was super excited. Um, I think it's really special to me to be able to get recognized in a conference like the Big 12. Anissa, for, for most of us who will never actually be on the bars, um, what is it Speak like? Speak for yourself. I've right. been in the gym, and it's awesome. For just me, then, who will never be on the bars, <laughs> what's the strategy? What's it like? What's the most fun about that particular event? Um, it... Bars is unlike any other event. It just, it feels like you're flying when you're doing it. It is so cool. It's, it's definitely my favorite event. It is, yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> There's no other feeling like it. Yeah, and I just hang there. I don't actually fly. Uh, you know, girl dad camp, they, they let the girls and the dads go in there and some ambitious dads try and like fling from one bar to the other. No, your boy's not going to rip his arms off. So it's all good. Um, <laughs> There's a big-time meet in West Valley. You're going to compete two times in three days in West Valley, coming up best of Utah uh, on Monday. But this collegiate quad with 12 different teams and ACC Network and ABC coming in, this is big time. You're going to compete with Cal and Michigan State and NC State on Saturday night. What does it mean to have that kind of showcase this early, especially after a nice one in Vegas and now in your second competition of the year? Hey, you're going to get some great exposure. Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think – you know, this team has so much talent, and to be able to compete against these other teams that also have so much talent um, is just a really good experience for us, and I'm really excited to see how we do against these bigger teams. It's a family affair now with Alaya on the team. We see it in football and, and, and other sports, certainly seen it in volleyball for a while when siblings <laughs> are out there wearing the blue and white. What's this year going to be like with that? Yeah, um, you know, I love having my sister on the team. It's honestly one of the reasons that I came back as a fifth-year senior. And it's super cool because um, when we were in club, we, we have a four-year age gap, so I n never was really given the chance to actually train or compete with her. So it's a first for both of us. And, um, yeah, it's super awesome and super fun. And it gives you a chance to boss her around again, but on a collegiate level. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, you can, it, yeah. now you can empathize with like the siblings where one went on a mission and the other's a freshman and you know you, you get some crossover which is really fun. Tell us about uh, this team and what you guys hope to accomplish because right now you're ranked 19th in the country because you put up a, a 1959 in week one. Yeah um, this team is you know like I said before they're super talented and they're all really amazing and um one thing that I really appreciate about this team is how hard they work in the gym. And, um, yeah, and I think that they're really good competitors. And, you know, they have it all. You know, I'm just, yeah, I'm super proud of them. And, yeah, I can't wait for you guys all to see how much we fight out there. Earlier in the show, we were talking with Eric Mika about how tough the Big 12 is for basketball. But the Big 12, which is a little bit of different because there aren't 14 gymnastics teams in the Big 12, but, yeah. but you look at Oklahoma's number one, Denver's number six, Iowa State 21, and West Virginia's 32, and you're in at 19. This is a, this is a legitimate tough group. Yeah, 
it's definitely very tough, especially um, like with Oklahoma and with Denver. We've competed against them before, but we've never been in the same conference as them. And um, yeah, we just, um, yeah, I'm just super excited for like these new experiences going against teams like them. And yeah, I really think that we, we're going to really prove to people how much we have in us. And yeah. We talked to Anissa Alvarado of gymnastics at BYU. Uh, Guard Young certainly has competed uh, as an assistant coach at Oklahoma. He knows the lay of the land a little bit. You guys have competed as well. Yet gymnastics is unique in that when you are competing individually, it's individually for you, it's for your team, and it's not really head-to-head -head with the other team, but kind of. What's that dynamic as an athlete like? Yeah, um, it's, it's definitely strange because – um, yeah, you can have some personal goals, but also everything is for the team. But when you're up there on the apparatus about to go, it definitely feels like it's only you up there. And it, everything depends on what you do. And um, But it makes the fight of every single turn that you do so much better, knowing that you're doing it for the person next, next to you, knowing that your teammate relies on you and... Um, yeah, it just makes it makes every single stuck landing, makes every single made routine just that much better. Having a team backing you up. We're in an Olympic year, and uh, nothing does more for women's gymnastics than the Olympics because it is so elevated and watched by millions. Do you feel, as you compete collegiately in an Olympic year, that uh, that the attention on your sport shines a little brighter? And what does that mean for your opportunity to to do well in front of a lot of attention? Um, yeah, possibly. Um, I do think that a lot of people watch gymnastics in the Olympics because it looks, you know, it, it looks really cool in my opinion. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, maybe it, um, us getting a little bit more recognition um, because of the Olympics is super cool. And um, yeah, I never really thought about it in that way, but yeah, you're right. We probably will get some more recognition, and I think that's awesome. The gym internet is always there, right? Uh, they're always yes. watching. Uh, but, yeah, the people <laughs> that are kind of on the fence, they don't know, hey, check out BYU. Uh, three meets in the next eight days starting tomorrow. So we talked about the collegiate quad, the best of Utah on Monday. And then, hey, first Big 12 meet is next Friday, uh, a week from today. What do the next eight days mean to this group in terms of uh, doing your best? And, hey, you got to compete a lot. Yeah, it means a lot. We only have around like 12 or so meets in the year. So to be able to have three in one week and right back to back, um, certainly it's a lot of pressure, but also um, as a team, we're just trying to get 1% better and compete against ourselves every single meet and just keep going on that climb. And so um, we're just really hoping to improve on our score each time and um, I mean, yeah, we're competing against other people, but um, yeah, we're just really trying to beat our personal best every time and just see how that goes. And that would be a 9975 for you now, okay? That's that's the next step. <laughs> and then 10, let's go. <laughs> let's go. Well, congrats on the early success. Uh, best of luck in the collegiate quad tomorrow. And then, of course, against Utah on Monday and next Friday. You're busy, so uh, we appreciate the time, Anissa. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Ms. Alvarado of Gymnastics joining us again. You can watch that meet tomorrow night on the ACC Network. And, of course, uh, Anissa 
has her own Deep Blue, which is pretty cool. Yeah, if you'd like to know a little bit more about her life, her journey, her relationship with her family, uh, watch the Deep Blue, where you can find all the Deep Blues at BYUSN.com. What NBC did with gymnastics and others is tell their story, and then you care about them. Right. That's the case with Anissa Alvarado and a bunch of BYU athletes through Deep Blue. Okay, coming up, what do you think Saturday's game against UCF means for BYU season? One of you is getting the elite voice of the day after the break. This go. is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. BYU Sports Nation's on demand. Download the free BYU TV and BYU radio apps to the podcast, and we invite you to subscribe, rate, and review our shows. Our question of the day, what does Saturday's game against UCF mean for BYU's men's basketball season? Sean Davis on Facebook. Best chance BYU has to turn conference play around a loss, and I hit the panic button. I hope we're not talking about Sean's that ready to hit the Monday. Yeah. Okay. Our Elite Voice of the Day is presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Bobby Daly. Bobby! On X. A win inserts BYU back into the wild Big 12 race. Looks like the Big 12 champ will have five or six losses in conference. A win tomorrow helps keep the hope brought by a 12-1 preseason alive. It is a huge game tomorrow, as we've yeah. said. Yeah. Win tomorrow. Win on the road. Convince yourself you can do it because you've got other road games coming that are very important. But number one's tomorrow. It's uh, Iowa State Tuesday at Texas Tech Saturday. And it just keeps yeah. going. Today's Rise and Shoutout is presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Best of luck to the eight women's soccer players who declared for the NWSL draft. Again, Mozingo, Felino, Shepard, Wade Katoa, McCarthy, Smith, Griffiths, Vaca, Boren. Best of luck to them. I said at least three get drafted tonight. I could see where four, five, six uh, get picked tonight. Would that be the most in school history in one draft? The most is, uh, I think, one or two. Really? Yeah. So this could be this would be a big night. It's not. The league hasn't been around forever. But uh, you got a handful of uh, really capable players in the league, so excited to see how many end up on the Utah Royals as well. Let's do it. Our thanks to today's guests, Eric Mika and Anissa Alvarado. Conversation continues 24-7 on X, Instagram, and Facebook. This and all our shows are on demand on BYUSN.com. It is a full weekend of Cougar Athletics. We will recap it coming up Monday on the program. For Dave, I am Jerem. Sorry to Dennis Pitta. We ran out of time. Shout out to Jordan Hayden. Go Cougs! Beat the Knights.